We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Talking Yang. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. Week 13 almost in the books. Just one more game. Monday night, Eagles and the Redskins. Kind of a meh game. Might have mattered at one point in time. It still might matter still, but I think Dallas is going to win the NFC East. Your week 13 was pretty good fantasy-wise, spread-picking-wise, Chris? It was good spread-picking-wise. I'm 12-3 and three, heading into Monday night. Um, fantasy up and down, but most of the teams that you know I thought were good are still going to be okay, and the ones that were on the ropes or not doing well didn't do well, so yeah, no, no real surprises there. Well, Stake League, I think you gained some points on me. Uh, not much, actually. Do you have anybody left tonight? Back. I'm not going to be able to pass you. It's too far. I mean, starting week 14, I'll have four weeks of Gurley and Fournette. So, okay, finally I've got those two guys the same week, which I haven't had all year. Because when Fournette came back, Gurley was on bye. And then Fournette got suspended. So I finally got those two together. Um, and... We'll see. You know, it went never really panned out the way I hoped. So uh, it's not. I've Joey Bosa has been a, a monster the last two weeks for me. Finally got him back. Yeah, I had a huge defensive game on Thursday night. I had Leighton Vander Ash. He had ten tackles. Cameron Jordan had thirteen points. But I got wrecked in stake league this week. I think I had like one touchdown from my skill position players and one passing touchdown from Deshaun Watson. It was pretty ugly. Uh, Thielen didn't do much. He he's the one that had the touchdown. But I also have Diggs, Edelman. Oh wait, Corey Davis. So I had two touchdowns. Excuse me. Camara did nothing. Yeldon did nothing. I've been still so weak at my second running back spot. Oh, you twenty bucks by the way. Oh yeah. Oh, did uh, Yeldon now produce? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I looked at it. I mean, Hyde got more carries, but Yeldon got some uh, targets, and Hyde did nothing. Yeah, that uh, that that's low on my list of games to rewatch this week. A six nothing game. I just can't bring myself to do it. I did see highlights of that sequence at the end. I I, I was really surprised to see how the Colts were so dumb uh, at the end of that game. They're wasting so much time. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of it. Um, I just. I got the. I think the score gave me the the general picture. Yeah. Well, there was. A, they, I saw the highlights, and you know they were out of timeouts, and they were getting tackled in bounds and taking forever to snap the ball. They were throwing these little short of the stick, short of the sideline passes to Ebron. It just. It was ugly. 
and I think they got a little unlucky with one. They thought that Ebron got out of bounds, but they ruled they kind of his forward progress had been stopped, so they kept it rolling. Um, oh, I saw that. Right, I saw that. Yeah, that play. Yeah, but it's like, why even put it to risk? I mean, they, they it was just an ugly, ugly sequence all around. But I mean, hey, Jacksonville's defense was legit that game. I mean, they completely. I mean, luck threw fifty two passes for only two hundred forty eight yards. Yeah, I think what happened was they got rid of Bortles and Kessler really played like a game manager. And Bortles is such an ill fit for a team like that. I mean, you want to build it around defense and running, that's great. Why do you have a mistake-prone quarterback? That's the worst possible choice for your quarterback. You know, you want Alex Smith, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. You want a guy who's going to hand it off, throw short passes, not turn it over, and punt. You do not want a guy who is going to fumble and throw picks and maybe make a big play with his legs, but you don't want upside. You want floor from your quarterback. And I I started to think about this. I'm going to write about this a bit in East coast offense defense running, you know, a running quarterback. Those are all part of the defense guys who can move the chain slowly is kind of your defense Um, guys who score quickly. That's offense. And so I've seen a lot of, in my opinion, dumb tweets recently saying, Oh, the, the you know the Chiefs and and Chargers really didn't miss their running backs. They scored forty and and thirty three respectively. I'm like, yeah, but the Raiders scored thirty three on the on the Chiefs, and the Steelers scored thirty on the Chargers. If you have starting running back, if if Kareem Hunt's in there, and the Chiefs are just grinding out yardage and converting a lot of first downs, maybe the Raiders only score twenty seventeen. So the running back in a way plays a defensive role. It doesn't matter. People think, Oh, the, the point of the offense is to score the most points. So if you can score more points without the running back, why do you need the running back? Well, the point of the game is to win it, not to right. just get the highest offensive score. So you know, you've seen that those Dallas teams with that offensive line and Zeke and before DeMarco Murray play decent defense in part because their defense is so rested and the other team's defense is on the field all game in the fourth quarter. A lot of times it comes down to who scores last. And and that comes down to whose defense is mo- more tired. Yeah. And I'll say this. Chargers couldn't run the ball at all in the first half. They were down 23-7. They ran the ball. Justin Jackson was running pretty well in the second half of that yep. game. Had some really nice runs. They, you know, other things happened, too. But they were, able to, they, they were able to have a little bit of balance there. And balance is important. You know, it's kind of like you, you see the Pittsburgh games. When, when Ben throws it like 50 times, usually it's because they're trailing. And, you know, they haven't been, you know, that, that Denver game is a perfect example. He just chucked it and chucked it and chucked it. Same thing against uh, Baltimore at home earlier in the year when they lost that game, too. They, they just I, couldn't run the ball at all. I, I'd like to see a graph of winning percentage by QB yardage. Now, obviously, some of it's you throw a lot because you're behind. But, like, I bet you, like, 286 yards is, like, the peak winning percentage. And, like, obviously, if you throw for too few yards, that's not good either. And if you throw for 400, it probably you know, levels off again because you're in some crazy shootout or you're way behind. There's probably like a peak winning percentage amount of yards and it's probably under 300 or 310 or somewhere around there. Like the curve peaks and then it starts going back down again as you get past it. Uh, it's, yeah, I just think that people are like, oh, well, yeah, see, Justin Jackson was fine. Running backs don't matter. Philip Lindsay's fine. No, the name on the jersey does not matter. Quarterback, running back, whatever. Quarterback play matters. Yeah. Running back play matters. The play matters. You know, we can argue about which jersey is more fungible. You know, probably it's easier to find a running back than a quarterback. But look at the quarterback inflation in the NFL. How many good quarterbacks there are? Look at Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl. It's not that hard. But regardless of the name on the jersey, the play of all these facets is important. And so, you know, you can debate whether. Oh, well, Justin Jackson can, you know, just be fine, but maybe the system is pretty good. And if you have a decent straight ahead runner, uh, who's, you know, pretty, maybe, or maybe Justin Jackson's actually good. We don't really know. I know. Then that's He's enough. You know, maybe the Eagles Jackson offense the was good enough last year, the system that Nick Foles was enough. Yeah. You know, if you have a quarterback that can make the reads and, and get rid of the ball quickly, that's enough. Um, I, I just, I just think the whole idea of, oh, well, this doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. No, it it, it's the play of the of the people on your in the system matters, but you just got to look at running back more as a part of the defense almost, and the quarterback as part of the offense. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I get that. Um, 
And yeah, Justin Jackson ruled at Northwestern too. He, I was so happy to see him have a good game because he had, he had a was great he good? Was he a good college? You don't really know because it's Northwestern. No, he was good. He was always good. Now the thing is, I never thought he'd be a great pro prospect because he doesn't have like that extreme top speed. So if he had a breakaway run, he'd get run down every once in a while. But he always was good, a good north south runner. He was always good at getting that extra yard or two. And that's the thing, you know. He was durable. You know, he he was you know consistent. He wasn't going to be, you know, explode off the page. He's not. He's never going to be Saquon Barkley. He's never going to be that level of, of a guy. But no one's going to be Saquon Barkley, Jeff. I feel like he's Chris, He's like he could be like Chris Carson. He could be like some other backs that are better than you realize. I feel like they don't get the hype, but they all forgot at least a couple of years. They're good at getting that extra yard or two. They're good about hitting the hole. Um, and and that was the case against the Steelers last night. The Steelers had other issues too. Wait, wait. Who was that? Before we move on, who was that other Northwestern running back in the nineties? Darnell was, Autry. Yeah, Darnell Autry. That's who it was. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, there was. Uh, yeah. So, so anyhow, uh, throwing off my train of thought there. Okay. So yeah, but yeah. Speaking of Chris Carson, he got hurt again. Saw a little bit more Rashad Penny. I want to. I'm kind of curious to see the rest of the season what happens with him. Yeah. I mean, he looked good. He always looks good. I guess he must've been overweight in camp and he got kind of benched for that, but now he's number two behind Carson and ahead of Davis. He looks good. He looks quick. I mean, he was a first round pick. It wasn't like this guy's supposed to be good. So yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see what they're doing. You know, I, it's hard to crap on Brian Schottenheimer too. I mean, the Seahawks, I know. I know. they throw it 15 times a game at 10 yards a pop and they dominate the line of scrimmage and the defense is playing decently it's a, a good team and it's, I think they're running again. Like they lost so much of their defense. I mean, they lost so many key pieces from Earl Thomas to cam chancellor to Richard Sherman to Michael Bennett. So many of these guys are gone and yet the defense is not, I wouldn't say it's as good as it used to be, but it's solid. And I think some of that is just, again, running the ball, you know, keeping the team on the field. Just, I just think that style helps the defense shortening the games. It's yeah, I'd, I'd happen to, I, you know, I do agree that that can work. You got to have the right personnel for it. Uh, you got to be able to shift gears when you need it, when you're playing from behind or you're playing like you're playing the Rams. Maybe you need to speed it up a little bit or you're playing the chiefs. You need to speed it up a little bit. Um, and that matchup's still you? coming because look, the, the Cowboys are playing the saints on Thursday and they uh, did the opposite. That's a good counter argument. I hear you. I mean, why, why do you want to play their game? Okay. You know, I guess you have a boxing to match with, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess you know, if you I mean, fall behind, you, I, I guess is more. Well, I mean, you fall behind because you're basically. I mean, here, here's the thing: like it, it, it's a battle of styles, right? And if you get into that, let's see, you know, let's compete with the Chiefs or the Rams, you'll probably lose that battle. But if you just sort of like punch them in the face and make a ten minute drive and score a touchdown. It's kind of like their offense is sitting there stale. Their defense is getting worn down. Okay, maybe they score a touchdown on you. Now you get the ball back. And, okay, now their defense is a little bit more tired. You can beat them up a little bit more. You shorten the number of possessions so you, the, the sample goes down. If you're going to play an elite team, you definitely rather have, you know, five or six possessions each than ten. The, the more possessions you have, the more the disparity is, the more it can obviously reveal, you know, that they're the better team. I, I think that's the way to, and, and, and then in, in the playoffs, when you start to get to January, weather becomes an issue and there's an advantage to being a nasty, physical, tough team. There's wind or, you know, snow usually doesn't matter that much, but it just, <clears throat> I think that the, I think that the running and defense thing is real. I think that's a real thing. Now you're not going to score as many points. You're not going to get as many yards per play doing that. And there's certain cases, as you said, if you get way behind, you're going to wish you had a, a team that could shoot it out. And it's always good to have a deep threat, but, um, but I, I'm not like, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Dallas and Seattle in the playoffs and how those teams like the saints and the Rams handle them. But I don't think it'll be easy in either case. Yeah. I wonder if Dallas would be able to replicate that, like what they did against the saints in New Orleans. Um, we might find Less out in the likely, playoffs. Obviously, I mean the, the the home field matters, and New Orleans is a dome, so and so is um, you know, Los Angeles outdoors. But the weather's good, so the weather's good in Dallas know, too. Though there, I mean, there's some of that that matters there. too, right? I mean, if you're going to Foxborough, it's different than playing in you know one of these domes. Sure, 
Sure, of course. Green Bay, it should be a natural advantage. But, oh, wait, it wasn't for Mike McCarthy and is no longer. And after losing to Arizona, an indoor dome team that's terrible goes and wins there and well, outrushes you know, them, too. Well, I mean, <laughs> the problem with McCarthy is he just, not only was he doing these high degree of difficulty throws, which was making Rodgers worse than he is, but they don't have a deep threat. They didn't build the team to have any sort of vertical threat, despite having a QB who's got a probably the best arm this side of Pat Mahomes. And then secondly, they don't really play a style that took advantage of the cold. They just, they didn't really do anything. You know, they didn't even have a style. What was their style? Throw a bunch of outs. Yeah. Uh, They didn't do many rub plays. They didn't do many motion plays before the snap, all that. Uh, You know, go ahead. they're, They're like the equivalent of an NBA team that shoots a lot of long twos. Just high degree of difficulty for a little reward. And they haven't evolved and been like, oh, wait a second. You actually get three points for this shot, and it's only a foot further than, you know, I mean, it's, the NBA has already adapted to that. And, you know, the NFL, it's like there's, there's easier ways to do it and harder ways to do it. Yeah, there is. Uh, something coming across the wire. Uh, no one put a claim in on Kareem Hunt. And perhaps one of the reasons why is that he has now been linked to an assault charge at a, a nightclub in KC in January. Actually, there was no charge filed by the police. There was a police report. I, I'm sure there must be some payola. Uh, and anyhow, it, it was a male victim in this case, but that might be another reason that like this stuff's starting to come out more and more. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's kind of crazy that TMZ is like our journalistic outlet that right. is reporting all this stuff. Like, Nobody else seems to be reporting anything. So much fake news and like, oh, but TMZ, they got the goods. Secondly, you know, I mean, as much as it seems like a pattern, because he we saw a video of him assaulting a woman, you know, and it's anything that's not been adjudicated or we, we can't really, you know, we're just sort of throwing that out there. Um, so who knows what the what the reality is. We saw the other video, and that might be enough. I think the guy'll probably I know, my guess is he'll get a second chance. He'll get suspended for like eight games or a year or whatever it is, and then probably get another chance because he's so young. You know, Ray Rice. So Ray Rice's video was one of the most brutal and graphic. I mean, she was like out cold. And second, um, he was already like over the hill almost. You know, so right. this is a, a guy. Who, I mean, you know, that this is not a moral consideration, but it's just a realistic consideration that. I would I would expect Hunt to get a uh, a second chance way more than Ray Rice. Which is funny though because like Ray Rice prior to that was a so-called pillar in the community, he'd done a lot of community service. And no, nothing else on his record. He was squeaky clean before that. Whereas Yeah, but that video that he had was really horrible. Yeah. That was like a whole you know, I don't I don't want to get into too many I don't want to get into the video comparison game, but that was pretty crazy like he like knocked her out cold. Um, but whatever, I mean, uh, it's just, yeah, everyone's like, oh, he's such a good guy and they buried it. You know I mean? The part of the problem with the Ray Rice thing is he probably would have gotten a second chance had he just gotten arrested and gone to jail and gotten the full, you know, impact of the law for the assault. And then, you know, maybe they'd be forgiven. But the fact that these things get swept under the rug, the Ray Rice one was like a jailable, I mean, serious, you know, um, I, I think that also made it so it was sort of like, no, 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 this guy got, you know, we try to, you try to make this guy get away with this. I, you know, no one, I don't know what the answer is, you know, in, in terms of like how much should one suffer for one's crimes? You know, how much right. do we punish the guy? You know, I'm not a type of person who's like, if you do X, I mean, if you murder a bunch of people, it's one thing, but if you do X, you know, you never should work again ever in your whole life. You should just be completely destitute the rest of your life. But then again, they should be severely punished. So, you know, it's that kind of question is not does not have an obvious answer. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, pray that I'm never in that position to find out. Um, but, you know, I just. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to come up with the correct formula solution because in all walks of life, I mean. And there's all sorts of, uh, you know, justice, you know, injustices in terms of how harshly certain people are punished and how other people just get off scot-free. I mean, I don't want to get too much into this, but I don't know if you, if you read the Miami Herald's latest I did thing read about that. this oh, that was predator funny. guy. I mean, that is like oh. the most screwed up thing ever. And the lack of justice basically because he probably has the dirt on like 
major people. Dirt and money. And, Dirt and you money. No, that's. Yeah. It's very you know when you, when you're talking about the justice for doing something very wrong, you know it's also caught up in that question of like oh well I guess some of us are getting punished for their deeds and some of us aren't. Yeah, just reading the account of that made my skin crawl. It was that's. I hope I hope there's some fallout beyond just people being horrified. Right. Right. More than it's a Miami Herald story. It's not really. It's kind of beyond. Even though we talk Yang, this is even beyond the scope of this particular right. podcast. It has. It, it did go viral. But yeah, just yeah. It, 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 yeah. Most people have seen it, but just check out uh, if you want. You can check out the Miami Herald. Um, all right. Let's turn it back to uh, football. So a couple of injuries. Uh, some injury notes. Bengals are thinking about putting AJ Green on IR. Duh. You know, after a setback like this, he played 17 snaps, had to get carted off. Same big toe. You know, this he you know, he had setbacks the last time he had this injury. Like he'd be on, you know, he'd be off. Oh, oh, he'd be on again. He'd he'd miss practice all week. Maybe he'd play, maybe he wouldn't. He missed full three game three full games, but he missed parts of others. And now this is the second time around. As we had Stefania Bell on, you know, she said this is the type of thing that doesn't go away. I mean, it takes like significant time off, maybe even surgery eventually. I, I got to think that with the Bengals done, I mean, they're just done. Might as well shut them down. So I don't know if you want to do a little guess the lines here, but it's a good occasion. Yeah, let's do so, some of that since I uh, okay, we won't just, get to do just, it on. We don't XM have to tomorrow. go through the whole thing, but I just want to guess one line with you, okay? Okay. I, I've, I haven't looked it up yet, so I guessed it. So I'll let you guess it. Let me pull this up. Um, the Bengals this week. You know where they play? No, tell me. At the Chargers. Oh, I got an invite to go to that game, but I have to work, so I couldn't make it. But Chargers, I can't even get. High I guess the line, and I made my own line. Minus fourteen. And I'm very curious to see where where the real line is. Minus fourteen. That's your guess. Yeah, that's my guess. I made my line twenty point five. Oh, and I guess it would be nineteen point five. And. What is it? I haven't looked yet. Oh, Should I, look? okay. I don't want to look them all up because I'm not done. I've, I've written down a guess for everything and the total, but you know, I'll look it up. Think about I'm it tomorrow morning a little more. Let it, I won't be able to do guess the it, spread this week. So on, on air, cause I'm doing projections. So I'll miss the show right. tomorrow. Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, but I, I don't, don't look it up. Well, just look up that one. Yeah. Just look up right. that one. I'm pretty much, that's my line. 20 and a half. I, I bet it's it going to exactly be like, I said number. 19 and a half for the guest line. It's probably going to be like 17 and a half. It's 14. It is 14. That's it. Yep. Wow, how can the Bengals only be 14 point dogs in in Los Angeles? It's similar to the, you know, I I I thought it was analogous to the line that Green Bay had against Arizona. Now Green Bay is not the Chargers. So I'll, I'll yeah, stipulate Green Bay to that. sucks. I agree. Yeah, Green Bay, agree, Green Bay had a negative point differential. That was the Chargers are really good. That was a, a public well, perception issue, and I don't think everyone has come around to the Chargers just yet. Chargers well, I mean, were a 15 I, point favorite against the Cardinals, weren't they? This line this line will go up to to 16. Yeah, the Chargers were 15 over the Cardinals. Yeah. Bengals versus Where Cardinals. Where was that game? In Los what Angeles? is the line in that game in a neutral field? If they were, It was in L.A. that they were 15-point favorites? Yeah. Yeah. It would be like 12 or 13. Yeah. No, no, they were 15. I'm saying what if the Bengals and, Charger, Bengals and Cardinals were on a neutral field? What would the line be? Oh, I think it would be like... It would be like three ish, but I I think it actually yeah I think three would be fair. I mean I think those are the two two of the you know five who, worst teams who, in who football. Who gets the three? Who's giving? On a neutral field, sorry, it would be a zero. I mean it would be zero. Okay, you know it would be a point or two. Right. It wouldn't be much. I I think you're probably but, right. But my but feeling think... is that the Bengals right now are probably worse than the Cardinals because they have a new QB, so they have to integrate the new QB. Their defense is worse than the Cardinals' defense. And how can anything be good be said about their offense with with Driscoll at QB? And AJ Green out again. Yeah, right. I mean, they don't. They're bad on both sides. I mean, the Cardinals are like, you know, marginal on offense. I mean, marginal on defense and bad on offense. Right. But at least they've been playing together with this QB that's supposedly a prospect. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't. I think he's worse than a replacement level quarterback right now. He looks really bad though. That's the thing. That's what I mean. Oh, you mean Rosen? Rosen does, yeah. Yeah, but Driscoll's like Rosen without the upside. <laughs> but we don't know. He never had played a snap in the NFL before this year. He well, was not a known commodity. We don't know for sure, but you know, it's, it's it would be a real long shot. Anyway, wow, 
I wrote that would be gigantic because. Well, we'll see what the line is uh, by tomorrow morning. Uh, I think it'll. I think it'll go up to like fifteen or 16. Wednesday morning. It's still Monday. It won't hit where yeah. I have it. Yeah. I'm way off. I guessed it would be nineteen and a half. I just thought, you know, maybe. Remember, I told you last week there'd be a correction. Yeah, like well, a major correction. Yeah. Well, and that you're right. So I was going through it, and the ones where I was like five points off, I should have followed my followed my line every time. Uh, like I, I go, ah, I want to take the Chiefs anyhow, so I took the Chiefs, even though I already I said it at like ten, and sure enough, right? He, that that would have been the right call. We were right about Arizona against Green Bay. There was a couple others that we were right about. There was two that I had right on the number: Rams at at ten and Seahawks at ten, and I took the favorite in both of those, and that worked out. So. Uh, well, here, here's an interesting thing is, so I had Green Bay 13 and a half last week and, and the public had it at 14. So I took the Cardinals Cardinals went outright, but I was right because I won, but I wasn't right. I had Green Bay 13 and a half. They lost, but you don't have to be right. You just have to be slightly more right than less the wrong. You have to be less wrong, <laughs> a little bit less wrong than, than the, than the market, you know? So it's kind of an interesting thing. Like it's one thing to be right. And then the other thing is just, I'm just slightly less wrong. Well, everything is like range of outcomes, right? And we're trying to find the 50th percentile on those range of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, the if the, those teams played 10 times, probably Green Bay would win seven or eight times. So it's not like that was the 50th percentile, but... Well, no, I'm saying on average, say people. there's a, like, there's... You re-ran a sim like a thousand times. Most likely spot would be this team wins by X number of points. That would be the, you know, and it's a little like a dot matrix, basically, dot, dot, dot. You know, this time they win by three. This time they win, you know, and yeah, okay, out of a thousand I, times. I most likely, now that we know how the game went, would be like 10. Like, the line was 13 and a half, and we could say, oh, well, that was just such an outlier that Arizona won, so it's still 13 and a half. But I don't think so. I think after we saw that game, I would say, well, that it was an outlier, but it also moves the needle. It also makes right. us realize that 13 and a half was a bad line. Right. And in fact, McCarthy is such a bad coach that that needs to be moved significantly lower, even though this is just a one shot outlier. The other, the other thing is that, you know, all these sort of probabilistic ways of looking at it are to me in some ways, like they're great before the fact, but once the fact happens, once the event happens, it's over. We can never go back in time. We can never repeat that game. Mm-hmm. And the truth about that game was what actually happened in that game. Now we can use probabilistic methods to calculate this week's games, you know, based on simulations or whatever else. But once it happens, there's kind of no point, right? Because it's over. It's we've already found out the outcome. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, speaking of the Packers, what did you think about? What do you think about Joe Philbin taking over? Uh, what do you think about? His chances there. There's a report saying they did this now to give Philbin a chance to see whether he could prove to, to be the guy, the, their next guy, or not, or whether they have to go outside. I mean, Philbin just strikes me as like a totally zero. He's a total zero. You know, he's in Miami. They did the hard knocks. He seemed clueless then. Uh, he has been an offensive coordinator, hasn't he? In places, I don't know. He just seems clueless. He just seems pointless. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that seriously. I mean, if I'm a Packer fan, I'd be a little nervous if anyone's taking that seriously, but Philbin is NLM, you know, <laughs> I just, I, come on, that dude's not serious. That guy's old. He's been around. What's he going to bring to the table? You gotta get, you either gotta get someone who's really good or somebody who's young and the really good guys like Andy Reed or people who have you know moved on to other places aren't really available. So you got to get a Although young guy. It, if you, judging by the way we heard, like a lot of NFL commentary commentators respond, reacting to the McCarthy firing, they they were up in arms about it. Like, oh, how could they do this? This is a guy that's won a when Super Bowl. Eli got benched. Think about what happened when Eli got benched. Yep. Oh, I, I know. I know. Even like Collinsworth and Michaels last night. Right. If some smart team's going to snap him up right away and all that, like. No, you know, it's such, I think there's a big gulf right now and sort of the conventional wisdom versus they, they, they're, they're thinking he's like, just like Andy Reed. And I don't think he's like that at all. Right. Just being fat doesn't make you a good coach. Like, you know, he's got <laughs> that experience like Andy Reed. Yeah. You can't, you can't just, you know, 
you can't be a uh, a weightist. Everybody of the same weight is an equally good coach. That's not a a reasonable stance. Always, always distill it to its very essence. Well done. Uh, <laughs> That's all they're saying. Yeah, Andy Reid was fat. And he was good at one stop, and then he got fired, and then now see he's doing well. Yeah. Well. Uh, but it's it just, it, I, it was funny to see people close ranks. I mean, I think the Fox guys were that way. The NBC guys were that way. Tony Dungy was, you know, well, I don't agree with this at all. I, let him finish but, the yeah, season. But, Tony, but don't you think, like, I, I'd like to know, but you don't know for sure. But don't you think those guys all hang out in the same circles? Those ex- Oh, yeah, of course they the do. Ex-coaches are broadcasters. Like, Tony Dungy and Gruden was a broadcaster. And all these guys were, were, were coaches, and broadcasters and they're famous or ex players and they know each other from playing and playing against each other. And I'm sure they socialize, you know, beyond just what we see, which is just at the TV sponsor stuff like the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl or whatever. I bet those guys all are on the same sort of cocktail circuit. They find themselves at the same events. I remember I went to the, remember that one day I missed one day of Vegas because I went with Chip Namius to uh Yeah. He like set us up with like a booth at this big USC event. You didn't go, it was just me and a friend of mine came to help me like move everything. Yeah, you came like, in late. Night. You came like the next day. You were in L. It was in L. A. Right? Yeah, I was in L. A. And I, I I came a day later, and like you know there was a whole bunch of I can't you know Steve Mariucci was there. It was back in you know that dude's heyday like 2008. Like Steve Mariucci and Andrea Kramer was there, and like it was like a whole bunch of these people, and like of course they all know each other. Yeah. So you know it's like. It's just like the fantasy industry, you know. I, I see like people get into a spat, fancy guys, and then someone else will chime in and be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's settle this down. We don't want to have any, you know. They, they protect their own, you know, which is which is fine, but it's not accurate. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. You understand that where it's coming from for self interest, but it's not accurate. Some of those guys are bad, you know. It's just it's just that they're just not. McCarthy did a terrible job. Maybe he's, you know, you know what struck me is that uh, when Greg was describing him. Greg Ambrosius, who's a Packers guy, goes to their games. It sounded like he was saying that McCarthy was uncoachable. Like he just refused to adapt and learn, which is what we'd say about a player. We'd say that guy's uncoachable. Mm-hmm. So the coach was uncoachable. And at a certain point, like if a player's uncoachable, he may have had talent at one point. McCarthy may have been innovative at one point, but that's it. You got to cut him loose. I mean, how many times do we you know, we talk about this, uh, you know, just the, it, in all walks of life, the inability to adapt to new times. I mean, I think it's something we always have to, to fight against. I mean, just our industry, like, okay, we have better predictive metrics that we have to use for, you know, you know, doing, trying to figure out how, how a guy is going to do. And we have to, you know, it's not the be all end all, but you have to be at least conversant in it. You have to pay attention you know, can't just say, Oh, this is, I have this solved. This is the way I do things. I'm not going to learn anything else new. Yeah, no, I, I think, though, that we, I may be guilty of being a, a Luddite, not a Luddite, I mean, I'll, I'll look at this stuff, but I think that we haven't gotten that much closer to solving stuff than we used to. I don't, I don't think, when you look at, like, the steamer projections and then people's different rankings and then the NFPC ADPs, I mean, that's about as good as it gets, and it's not even that good. <laughs> you know, like that's, I don't think anyone's, I think people are coming up with very clever um, ideas of how to structure your team sometimes, and people are coming up with, you know, things like zero running back and different ideas. Not that that would work now, but in the era that it was, it was a smart strategy. Um, and people are coming w- with clever ideas of how to value things, but I just don't think people have gotten that much better at predicting player performance, even in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, you might be right about that. So, but what I am seeing better is some teams are better, you know, more capable of scheming for the current environment, and especially in how the game is officiated. Uh, and that's why uh, I'm about NFL. Yeah, but I think baseball right. is innovative. So, so I'm talking about you fantasy. Can, like, I don't think, yeah, as a fantasy community, our projections are necessarily more accurate now than they were ten years ago. That like we're getting to be better projectors. Like, no, I agree with you on better, that ranking i i definitely agree with you on that i mean the game has changed too i mean it's when you think about just like you know and we're always a year behind on the the game the the changing of the game whether it's the ball in baseball or whether it's you know teams emphasizing the run or the pass in a given year or how the game's officiated we're always we're always behind on that and that that's i think it's almost an institutional structural thing 
Like we're necessarily always a year behind. It's hard to be ahead of that curve. Well, because you're just guessing, right? I mean, it's a macro environment that's based on right. arbitrary things like what kind of pressure the balls are stored under or how tight the balls are wound or whatever the, the reason is. And then there's the second order effects, which is, oh, well, the ball's really flying the last couple of years. I'll go make an uppercut swing because there'll be a lot of home runs rather than flyouts on that. It's worth it. And then the whole structure of the game changes. Then pitchers have to adjust to that. Now there's a third order effect. And I mean, we don't even know what the first order one's going to be. And now we've got to try to estimate all the downstream effects. I mean, it's impossible. Right. You know, it's, it's just a very complex system. And I don't think we're getting better. And I think to the extent you think you're getting so much better, you're getting worse. But it is, as I said, you know, just like picking me, picking the Packers minus 13 and a half, you just got to be less wrong than the next guy, right? I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to know the extent of some player's breakout. I just have to be the first guy to take him before he does break out. That's true. And so I think there's a lot more pressure to jump on these guys uh, and get ahead of the curve. But the problem with football is, I mean, we have a timed once a week sort of thing. Like with baseball, you see it in, in a lot of moves. We have daily moves, or at least you have the ability to bid. Uh, or, and I guess in football, in some of our leagues, we have the ability to bid. Sometimes it's a uh, waiver order and things like that. But I feel like we have a lot more t- opportunities to act in baseball. Whereas football, okay, it's free agents run on Tuesday night. Got to do this. You know, you get one chance a week at some, like the next Philip Lindsay. Uh, and otherwise, well, it's the same thing with baseball, though, right? I mean, guy gets called up. The difference is, I think the biggest difference is for the call ups, the guys are playing in the minors, so you're constantly watching them. They're 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 already playing. We know what right. they're doing. When Vlad Guerrero, who should have been called up, obviously is killing it at double or triple A. We know that he's doing it. Whereas if Philip Lindsay isn't getting carries the first couple of weeks, we don't really know what he's doing in practice. Right. We don't see it. So it, it's a little different that football is kind of like, okay, here's a guy. He's he had one good game. We don't even know who he is. And then you got to jump. Whereas in baseball, they have like much longer track. I mean, football, there's college, but it's, you know, fo- baseball is easier in terms of evaluating. I mean, who the hell knows? It's like, James Conner, right? Like I, I was the second highest bidder on my Le'Veon Bell in the in the Stopa League, and I was the second highest bidder. Vlad was the highest, but like James Conner could have been what he was, which is like a great fantasy player, or he could have been just some scrub that you know. I, right. I really had no idea when I was bidding on him who this guy was. I certainly didn't know who Philip Lindsay was. I didn't yeah. think they were going to give this tiny little guy this kind of role and have him, you know, sort of beat out their whatever their second round pick or third round pick. So yeah, even when we saw it, though, we're kind of like, that's not going to happen again. Oh, I can't believe they're going to do this every week. He can't handle that. And it turns out that was, that was uh, the uh, big, that was the uh, big profit of the year. Um, It's the Peyton Hillis pickup of the year. Yeah, there are a few, but that was certainly a big one. Yeah. I guess Chubb was a big pickup in some leagues where he wasn't dropped. Some, a lot of leagues though, he was held on to a long time. He had that big game, big two runs against the Raiders and then disappeared for the next couple of weeks. So maybe some people got frustrated and cut him, especially as buys took place. But yeah, there, there, those were the, the, those were clearly the big ones this year. There haven't been a ton of big free agent running backs so far. There's still, here's the funny thing though. There still could be one out there. I mean, Penny, you know, yeah. I mean, he, if, if Chris Carson's wrist is hurt or whatever, Penny could be a monster down the stretch. Could be Wilson you know, in San kind of Francisco. You know, it could be that too if if they finally decide Breida is too banged up to go again, right? Or and you know, like Tyler Boyd was a guy that people had left for dead. He's yeah. a pretty big pickup. There, there are a bunch of guys that have made kind of a difference. There's always quarterbacks. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And there have been plenty that were were pretty awesome this year. That's for sure. So. Uh, one other uh, injury note I wanted to bring up: Christian Kirk out for the year now with a broken foot for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. That's a tough one. You know, it's not that he was one of those guys that was tough to start anyhow because it was so the just the quarterback play was so inconsistent. I got whipsawed with him a couple of times. Like I'd have him active, he'd do nothing. I'd have him bench, he'd hit, he'd hit on a big play. Uh, so, but I liked what I saw from him. It's just a question. I think you need a competent quarterback, competent offensive line. But ends up with forty three catches, five hundred ninety yards, three touchdowns. I kind of want to see what they do in the offseason, but I kind of like him next year. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I don't have a strong opinion. I mean, you look at like Dante Pettis making explosive plays. Yeah. Seems like a more 
I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's tied to the QB and the offense also mostly the system, but there, yeah, I, I have no real strong opinion on Kirk. Okay. So do you have a strong opinion on Dante Pettis? No, but I like the fact that as soon as he got his run the last couple of weeks, he made some explosive plays right away. Yeah. So be able to high so point I, the ball. I like being able to see that, you know, that, that can jump yourself open at times. I mean, the thing is, it's crazy because most of these guys are all, it's like the Clippers in the NBA. Like suddenly these guys are getting minutes and they're, they're good. It's like give any of these professional athletes who are training their asses off with professional coaches an opportunity to be good. And a lot of them are actually really good. And the reason why a lot of guys fail is, you know, some of them are head cases or there's something going on, but if they're making the effort and they're paying attention, usually what fails them, I think is the system more than them. Like, you know, just, you know, like Jared Goff's rookie year, if he just stuck with Jeff Fisher for a few years, you know, he might be out of the league in five years, or he might have Sam Bradford's career, another number one overall pick that got banged up and really just is pretty much left for dead now. Right. It's like, that's, so, you know, it's so much like what part of the, what system are you attached to? NFL teams are just systems. And it's like it, each position is a part of a system. And some guys are good fits for a particular system and not for others. Some guys are really good in almost any system. And some systems are so bad, they'll kind of snuff out the usefulness of almost any talent. Yeah. See also Fisher, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So Dante Pettis, though, I mean, he was actually taking three picks before Kirk. He was taking it, to, you know, forty fourth overall. Second pick. round pick, yeah, yeah. And Kirk was taking forty seventh overall, three picks later. But you know, Pettis the last three weeks, twenty targets. So you know, obviously that, that game against the Giants, he didn't do much. But uh, it's, that was also when he was actually you know fighting for scraps. Now that he's kind of more of a main guy, the last two weeks, you know, four for seventy seven, a touchdown, five for one twenty nine, and two. Uh, you haven't seen that since week one. Now Marquise Goodwin is out with this like a personal issue and they, they haven't really divulged what exactly is going on there. So it's possible that this could last a while. Well, I think Pettis, you know, as long as Mullins is the QB is the number one guy because it doesn't really, you know, there's no official number one. I think whoever's clicking is going to stay the guy, but it'll be interesting next year if they, if Goodwin, if nothing serious is wrong with him and it's like a family matter or something that he's dealing with. But if you had Goodwin Pettis, Kittle, Brita, and Garoppolo. That's Suddenly, that's kind of the basis of a, a pretty good offense. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good core. And we'll see uh, what they make out of Kendrick Bourne, what they make out. And, you know, Goodwin coming back, like you said, that could be, it still could be huge. The thing is, no one's going to pay up for Goodwin next year. Unless he just like comes back and goes crazy in the last three weeks. But I, you know, odds of that are pretty darn low. So you figure like he could have the year that everyone was expecting this year. And you get it for like yeah, but a third be, of the cost. Yeah, but they'll be more, right, Garcon will be gone, so you'll have, problems. Goodwin and Pettis are both, you know, Pettis is quick, he was, a, he was drafted in return kicks, and then Goodwin is the speed guy, and they probably need, you know, Kittle's, you know, the Travis Kelsey, if, if he can stay healthy, but they probably need that, like, that prototype number, they don't need, I guess you don't have to do it this way, but that, that prototype number one, 6'2", 215 pound guy who's going to get like, you know, 140 targets or something. Yeah. Usually the, the speed guy gets like 100 targets, the good win. And Pettis, who knows, maybe he'll be Antonio Brown. You know, maybe that'll be his, he'll be that style of receiver. He can get a ton of targets. But, um, yeah, who knows what they'll do with the with the draft. But at least like the Shanahan offense and Garoppolo coming back, it's a pretty, I mean, even with Mullins, they've shown signs. They're not, even with their crap QBs, the system is pretty resilient. Yeah, and you know the side benefit to all this this horrific season is they're going to get early picks every round. You know, it's not just the first round; it's like that first round. They Cleveland you taking know, Nick Chubb two point one. You know that that was a pretty valuable pick. Yeah, no, it was good. You know, by the way, Bettis, I I, I didn't realize this. He's six one one ninety five. So maybe he has that like sort of you know ability to be the. The big target guy. I didn't. I thought he was more like five ten, one ninety yeah. or something. But he's a little bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. I think. I yeah. I, I think that there's definitely that. Ability. I mean, I saw him go up for a couple of balls like, against the Seahawks. You know, win the ball in the air. That that's a skill that not all receivers have. So yeah, like, he's, he's, he runs a four four. Him and Ian Goodwin are. That's a pretty fast duo. 
Yeah. So even though it's a crap season for the Niners, there's there's a silver lining at least. There's something like four two. Now I don't know what the solution is on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's where they have a problem. Um, they just lost this year's or last year's number one right. pick too. And they, you know, that draft in particular looks pretty gnarly. I mean, at least the early rounds of that draft. They they actually got better as it went later into that draft. Um, all right. Anything else you're working on for East Coast offense? Maybe a Barkley thing or something. No, I mean, I was going to use it. You know, obviously, I, I think it's really kind of cool that there's a lot of like hot takes, and maybe I'm responsible for some of them. Maybe. Some of them are serious, some of them aren't. Perhaps. But um, I do think the whole Barkley pick has just really launched a huge debate this year. I mean, I think it's just such an interesting one because he is the real deal. He's LeBron James. You know, he's the guy that everyone's hyping up, and then he comes in and, like, oh shit, this is, this is legitimate. He's that good. And then the whole question, you know, it, it really divides people. So I think it's interesting, but I think that, uh, I'm going to make the case that, you know, in these complex systems, you need good play from various factions and that, uh, factions, various, you know, positions and departments and that, um, different systems have different, you know, you know, depending on what system you have and what system you run, there's different things are more important and less important. And so it's like Jenga, like you pull out a, a block and, structure stands or you pull out a different block and the whole thing falls apart. And, you know, just like the, everyone was sure when, when Wentz went down for the Eagles that the season was over and they won the Super Bowl. Um, but sometimes, you know, I've seen, I remember I use this example, Troy Polamalu got hurt for the Steelers and their defense, which is like number one, totally collapsed. And you think, oh, safety's not that important. Is it, you know, you don't really know where the sensitive point is, but I guess it, to look at these things, not hierarchically, like the, you know, of course the quarterback's more important in the system. You know, of course the running back's not important, but more just sort of like, uh, it's, it's situational. You know, some people need more vitamin D. Some people need, uh, have a vitamin B deficiency, right? It's not the, you know, not every system, not every team is structured the same way. And, and I, I could see that, you know, perhaps it more, you know, more often the quarterback play is the, is the real key. But in some systems, I bet it's simplified enough that a quarterback that can do a bunch of basic things, well, any, anybody could fill in. And the more co- you know, complicated position is you know, the receiver or the running back. So I'm going to see if I can string together something coherent about that. So I got a, a re- related question then. What's more important or what's a harder skill? These are, t- I guess that's two different questions. But what's more important, identifying players that fit your system or having the ability to adapt your system to the players you have? Uh, I think that's, players out there. that's a good question. Um, I think that it's kind of the same thing in a way, right? I mean, I, I mean, that's not the same thing, but it, it's sort of like, well, you're drafting guys knowing that there's uncertainty in who they are. And you're, so you're trying to fit, you know, you're trying to draft. And also the question of like, do you want to just get the best talent? You know, if you're right. a certain kind of system, do we want small, quick receivers or wait, Calvin Johnson's available who cares? You know, normally we wanted, we're doing a run and shoot and we wanted small, quick receivers. Uh, but Calvin Johnson was available. So we took him mm-hmm. and now we have to figure out how to use him in our system. You know I mean? At, at some point you're just going to take the raw talent. So yeah, I think I, I, but I think it's, that's, that's the question, right? It's, it's sort of like, well, how can you build a system that fits the existing players you have but it's also just like a good system that's easy for players to use. You know, it's like the, yeah. those guys like, well, he couldn't learn the playbook because it's like 10,000 pages long. Like, oh, really? Well, maybe you should simplify that a little right. bit because how many, how long are these players even going to be around to learn this thing? I mean, it's just, you know, there's, and you look at just some teams have like great systems, great. You know, you look at McVay and you look at Peyton and he's had Breeze. So, you know, the system make Breeze, did Breeze make the system? Same with Brady and, and McDaniels and Belichick. So, but it, it seems like there's the system is just so important because um, it's it, it's sort of the it, it's it's the thing that everything exists in, right? All, all these parts that we identify and count for, we count their scoring for fantasy. They don't really exist independent of a system, right? They're just that's a fiction, right? We just that's how we score it, but like. It's one giant organism, basically, that's going on there. Right. So, yeah, good food for thought. Good, good fodder there. Looking forward to seeing the column. I'll be doing the uh, value meter again tomorrow. Uh, be uh, looking for this. You know, it's playoff time. 
So, you know, at least in many leagues, uh, did you, uh, how'd you do in your leagues? I got to do an audit of mine to see how many of them I made actually. I mean, tonight we'll determine whether I'm in Wavos or not. I lost Kareem Hunt and that to some kind of on the ropes anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's one that's, I'm probably like a, I want to say like a 25, 75 dog. Um, and then the, uh, Vegas league, I'm in the playoffs, depending if I hold on against straight, I'll be the one seed or like the three seed. And then in, uh, I made the playoffs in one of my XM leagues. I'm not XM, but, uh, NFFC leagues. The other two, not so much, unfortunately. And then I'm in the playoffs in the FSTA league. So I think I made it like five out of eight. I want to say four not out of eight, something like that. Not bad. It's not too bad. I do know the worst team I have is one of the leagues I care the most about my home league, the one that started the company uh, with Pete and Herb, all that. I, I won it last year. This year, I, I haven't come close. I haven't even won a week this year. I mean, it's it's been tough. I, that was the Lev, I got Lev Bell in that league. There's it's no surprise. There, it's more than just correlation. I think there's some causation there. Even though I did get Connor later, it's just you know you throw away a pick, an early pick. It's the opportunity cost. Well, yeah, my worst of the Stopa with Fournette and Bell. Yep. And two QB league where Winston lost his job. And then the, uh, the other really bad one was uh stake league where I had Fournette as, you know, 56 bucks at a 200 Fournette really killed me this year and watching him get the workload that he's getting. I'm sort of like, all right, it's just, you were validated too. Yeah. That's the thing that's so frustrating about it. Yeah. I mean, I, it actually makes me feel better. Like I'm not like, I feel like, okay, I wasn't out of my mind. I don't have to like rethink what the hell was I thinking? No, it's the process. You know, I don't want to say the pro I'm not using the process in the sense of, Oh, I didn't get it wrong. I got it wrong. But at least like, I don't have to like re, you know, I don't have to like do it a whole different way next year. That's true. All right. That's going to be it for this edition of talking yang. Thanks for listening. If you don't already subscribe to RotoWire, go to rotowire.com slash pod, get your free 10 day trial. Listen, I'll be back at it again next week. Thanks again for listening. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.